You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Home is not simply a place. This came up when we spoke of the life of a disciple as that of a pilgrim and a refugee. You leave home, or you're forced to leave home, and if you return, too much has changed. Like the river that is constantly refreshed with new rushing waters, you cannot step back into the same place. Instead, it takes a diverse and meaningful set of relationships to make a place home. And in that sense, then, it is not just a cute statement on a pillow that says home is where the heart is. That is, in fact, the essence of home. In our set of parables for today, we have heard about lost things. A sheep, a coin, and two sons. All lost, all found. Another similarity with all these teaching stories is that they all include a party. Because Jesus is all about the party. He is all about the feast and the drink, the celebration, all of which he wants to share with you. And as we heard a couple of weeks ago from the prophet Isaiah, that table is already set and all of God's people will share in rich foods, a bountiful harvest, and finely aged wine. That will be a good day. But some of us, like the younger brother and our story, he does not want to wait for the celebration prepared for him. He no longer wants the father to shower him with any kind of love and celebration. Of course, he could not do any of this on his own, though. And like the person who does not want to be defined by who their spouse is, or who their family, or culture or friends or community says that they are, he decides that he will define himself. He will discover his own identity and blaze his own path and make a feast and a celebration of and for himself. He told his father, your life, give it to me. Give me what I have coming my way. Everything that I think defines you, give me that without any of the, well, you. Your reputation be damned. Your honor is of little value to me. I want the stuff. Now, you may have an idea about what to do with someone like this. I have a couple of ideas myself, and they all revolve around the word pain. However, this is not the father's response. Instead, he takes the pain. He absorbs it. He releases his son and hands over everything that the boy would have inherited on the day of the father's death. The father is dead, though still living. Then, the young son has his party. 
He grabs life by the scruff of its neck and turns the crazy up to 11. And yet, lo and behold, all bad ideas must come to an end. All things that go up must come down, and he finds himself in the dirt with pigs, wishing he had just a taste of the goodness that they were blessed to eat. What about home, though? He thinks to himself. I will arise, and I will go to my father, because he treats everyone well in his household, and they all eat. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Luke fifteen eighteen and 19. You and I both know that home is not the same. We already read how both brothers were paid out their inheritance. How is he even sure that he is returning to the same place? Well, it does not have anything to do with the house or the land. It has everything to do with the fact that it is his father's house. What makes this father so good? He already gave up all of his possessions, and in doing that gave his son over to dishonorable passions, as Paul says in Romans 1. He gave his son over to his own sin, which he was already a slave to. Why would he do a thing like that? Isn't this the father's fault? He had the cultural privilege of beating some sense into his son. Why did he not do that? Because this is not the character of the father. And that, that, and that does not go unnoticed to his son. This younger son knows the quality of his father. He knows that relationship. He knows what makes home. And we will talk about that next week. But first, we have to see another relationship in the household. The one between the two brothers. The younger brother not only gets welcomed home after devouring the estate and the reputation of the father, he gets completely restored. Coat, ring, shoes, the whole package. And as a part of his restoration, there is a party to celebrate this boy who has been repented, whose mind has been changed about who the father is, what his sin is. And when the older brother hears that the fattened calf, which was set aside, presumably so that someone would use it to celebrate his excellent care of the farm, when he hears that it has been slaughtered for a whoremonger, he is furious and will not come and enter into the joy and rest of the father. Instead, he stands outside and pouts and fumes. Again, we will see how the father chased after both of his boys to bring them back next week. But today, we need to hear the disregard this son also has for the good father. When the father pursued him, the older brother said, Look you, all these years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. <laughs> sure he didn't. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I could potentially celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father responded, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The younger son wanted all the gifts the father had to offer without accepting the father himself. The older son wanted all the gifts without any of the father, and to top it off, he wanted to work so that these things would not even be gifts. He was telling his father, Look, you, you think you helped me, but I can do this my own self. You never helped me. All this inheritance, I worked for it. Now, in case you are like me and will never receive an inheritance, this is the way it works. You do not earn it. It is gifted to you because of who your father is. Both sons here in our story are lost. And like you and me, they both got lost working to get the good gifts of this life while refusing the giver of the gifts. They want all the blessings without any of the promise. One defined himself by anything but the law. The other strictly defined himself by the law. And they both found themselves lost at the same dead end. They both found themselves needing a father to come out and bring them back. This is a good time to consider who these parables were primarily being spoken to. The scribes and the Pharisees is what it said in verse 2 of Luke chapter 15. The tax collectors and the sinners were already eating and drinking with Jesus. And what else did Jesus tell them, that is the scribes and Pharisees, before this story? Well, verse 7 says this, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. And verse 10, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. <laughs> Jesus said to them, Repent. The sheep got lost. Then the shepherd searched and did the work of bringing it home. The coin got lost, and its owner did not rest until it was safe. Both lost, now found. A son got lost, and the father ran out and brought him home. He was lost, but now found. Another son is outside the father's house lost in his own self-righteousness, and the father comes out and finds him. He finds him in his sin. And this good father implores him to repent, just like Jesus did twice to the Pharisees and scribes already. The older brother stood with a look on his face that echoed that of Cain when he said, Who do you think I am, my brother's keeper? That is exactly who this son should have been. He should have been his brother's keeper. 
Which is why Jesus says to the Pharisees and scribes, These tax collectors and sinners, they're your brothers. You should have been the ones out here bringing them into the household of God. But instead, you found a righteousness that is not from God. And you determined that those people could never live up to it. To use a true story from a preacher who got it from a preacher who got it from the newspaper. There was once a young man who was an American soldier missing in action during the Vietnam War. And when the family could get no word of him through any of the governmental workers, the older son flew to Vietnam and risking his life searched the jungles and the battlefields for his lost brother. And it was said that despite the danger, he was never hurt because people on both sides had heard of his dedication and they respected his quest. Some people simply called him the brother. This is what a true brother would have done. He would not have stayed home working for the favor of a man who freely gave it out of fatherly love. He would not have stayed home to run the farm just to heighten the irresponsibility and unrighteousness of his younger brother. A price did not need to be paid for the elder brother to inherit. He already had it. A price did not need to be paid for the elder brother to be loved by the father. A price, a, a sacrifice, had to be paid to bring home the younger brother. We know that the father did that. We know that the fattened calf is the picture of that price. But that's for next week. Here's the good news for you today, right now. No matter which brother you are, whether you selfishly are striving to create an identity and separate yourself from the people and place that you come from, or you are the brother who is self-righteously working themselves out of the Father's house. No matter which kind of lost you are, you have a brother in Christ who came and took on flesh to find you in your sin and bring you home. Paul tells us in Romans eight sixteen and 17 that we are inheritors with Jesus. We are all brothers to him who share in that feast and in the Father's house. In Romans eight twenty nine and 30, Paul continues by saying that God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself that they needed. And having given them the right standing, he also would bring them to glorious completion. And the writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 10 to 16. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering or complete through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, 
I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That's you and me. You have a brother who paid the price that you owed. Because of his body broken for you and his blood shed for you, your sins are forgiven. All of them. You have been brought home. You have a righteousness that you do no work for. God the Holy Spirit has picked you up and turned you around and he has made you new. You are co-inheritors with Jesus. Keep resting in and relying upon his person and work done for you on the cross. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.